Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Now I just want to say that normally I don't, uh, I don't, pastors normally don't talk about uh, church membership. Matter of fact, in those in those books about building churches and, and, and uh, making a mega church, they say the thing you never talk about is church membership. And, uh, but we're going to do that uh, anyways this morning because uh, it is important to have an understanding of why people join a church and why we have a membership in the church. And we're going to ask a lot of questions this morning. We're going to ask the question, is church membership biblical? We're going to ask the question, is church membership not biblical? And we're going to ask the question, if I haven't joined the church, why should I join the church? And so those are three big uh, questions. We, of course, uh, here at Wilton, we've been going through uh, church leadership. And so over the past, what, over the past uh, couple of months now, we've been looking at the two offices uh, within the church, the office of Elder pastor, which again, that's the same office. That is, the, that is the group that cares for the flock, leads from the front. And then we also have the office of what? Deacon. And that, that is the group that really serves the church and leads from within. And so uh, they normally don't lead from the front. They lead from within. But both of those offices are very important. And a healthy church has both of those offices. The office of elder pastor and the office of deacon. So we've covered that, but that kind of folds into our topic, and that's how we get to church membership today. And so this wasn't something where I was just thinking to myself, looking out on Sunday morning and thinking, you know what, I think people really need to hear about church membership. Now, that's, that wasn't my goal at all. We talked about membership. I mean, we talked about leadership in the church, and one way to elect leaders within a church such as ours is to be a member of the church. And so if you're not a member, you don't really have a voting right to say who is an elder, who is our leadership, who is a deacon. And so uh, this whole thing is connected to this idea of church leadership. And so to get an idea of current church leadership, what we must do is we must go to the early church because we need to know what the early church did as far as their church was concerned so that we can potentially pattern our church after uh, the cues that we get from them. And so what we want to do is we want to start off here in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 37 through 47. Now let me give you some context before we get started here. All right, this is the context Pentecost has just happened. The, the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples. Peter is out there preaching the gospel, all right? He's doing it through the gift of tongues. Everyone is hearing in their own language. And now let's go ahead and pick up where we, where we, uh, where we have here in, in, ch- in uh, chapter 2, verse 37. It says this, and because it's a lengthy passage, I won't have you stand. But here in verse 37, it says this, Now when they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children 
and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with this, many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received His words were baptized and were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had all, had all, things, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, entering the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and gracious hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, let's go ahead and stop there. We'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do pray that you would meet with us, that you would use your word to impact our hearts. Lord, we do thank you for those that have committed themselves to uh, making Wilton Bible Church their home by becoming members. But Lord, we think about uh, there are many uh, within our auditorium right now, some that have been uh, part of Wilton Bible Church for many years, that have never really made that official, made Wilton Bible Church their official home by becoming uh, members of the local church. And so today, Lord, as we go back and we look at the early church, we pray that you would use your word to give us an understanding of this topic of church membership. That as we look at these ideas and, and we consider this idea of whether or not church membership would be right for us as individuals, that you would work in our hearts, that you would give us direction that the Holy Spirit would work in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us this morning as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as we get started, we do want to ask that first question. Is church membership a biblical idea? Is church membership a biblical idea? And as I start off, I'm going to say, no, not exactly. No, not exactly. Church membership is not exactly a, a, uh, a biblical idea, and let me explain why. Let me explain why. We don't have any teaching in the early church or in the New Testament that tells us that when people move to areas such as maybe they moved to Rome, that they visited church number one and that wasn't a good fit, so they visited church number two and that didn't seem to be a good fit, so they visited church number three and they finally made that church their home. We don't have any indication in the Word of God that people ever really made a church their home and became members, but that is because there is no indication in the Word of God of this idea of church shopping. There's no idea in the Word of God that people visited church after church after church until they found a pastor or a congregation or a music style that they really liked, and they said, this is my church, I want to become a member. We don't see that in the early church. Why not? 
Well, in the early church, they had one church for one community. When you moved to that community, you automatically became part of that church. You didn't go shopping for a church that fit you. Instead, that church became your church. It was the church in your community. And so if you were in the early church time and you moved to Rome, you wouldn't visit church after church. You would instead make the church of Rome your church. That's how the early church did things. And so really when we ask this question, is church membership a biblical idea? I have to say there is no teaching in the New Testament or in the early church that says that you should join a church. There's no teaching. Just in the same way that we could say it is unbiblical, really, to do church shopping, where, you know, uh, the, the current situation that we live in, where we go, okay, is this church a good fit for me? Do I like the way the pastor preaches? Does he preach the Bible too long, or is it too short? Does he give too many illustrations? Uh, what is their music philosophy? Do I like their music? Does it help me get into the move? I mean, what, what are the things that really benefit me, and then I will make that my home? We don't see that in the New Testament. And so, in a way, we could say that this idea of church membership and this idea of church shopping are both kind of unbiblical or not biblically taught in the Word of God. And so, to get an idea of of what we want to look at this morning, to get an idea of membership, we really need to go back to the start of the church. And so, notice in the early church here, and this is a portion that we just read, in verse 46 it says this, and day by day, this is those that were saved, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and gracious hearts. The very first thing I want to point out here is this day by day. This is one thing that is true about the early church. They were dedicated to one another. They were dedicated to fellowship, and they were dedicated to the Lord. They didn't just meet on Sundays. They did meet, and they did worship at the temple. They, there, was, there was time of, of teaching, but it was more than that. They met throughout the week for fellowship, for encouragement, for edification. And so from the very beginning, we see that they met day by day. The Christians got together, and they were dedicated They were faithful to one another. They were faithful to the church that God had for them. Now let's go on to the next verse here in verse 37. And this is what they also did. They praised God having favor with all the people. And, And this kind of stands out to me, favor with all the people. And so in the early church, this is also true. In the early church, the early church was not isolationist. What does that mean? That means that they blocked themselves out from the rest of the world. They only hung out with Christians. No, in the early church, they were in the world, and they evangelized the lost. And so from the very beginning, the church evangelized the lost. They didn't cut themselves off from the rest of the world. Instead, they had favor with all people. And and notice what ended up happening in that second part of verse 
47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the fact that they were in the world and they were evangelizing the lost, what did God do? God saved people. And more people were added. But this is my question. And this begets the question, uh, this, this adds the question to our question today. If the Lord added to their number day by day, what did he add to? What did he add to? What was the Lord adding to day by day? It says to their number, but what would their number be? Well, you know, some translations actually translate this, that God added to their fellowship. And I think that is, that, that's, that's, that's the idea that we have here. That in the context of, of getting together to worship, getting together uh, to break bread, getting together for fellowship, these people will be added to their fellowships, their assembly, their gatherings. And so they were once not added, and then they were added. And so from the very beginning, I have to say this, that even though church membership is not explicitly taught in the Word of God, there was never like a time where, where um, I don't know, uh, Apollos sat, sat down before the leadership of the church, shared his testimony, and the church voted on him. We don't see anything like that. But we do see this, that there was a church and there was boundaries within the church, and there were people being added to that fellowship. So this idea of church really, and in, in, in really what, what is happening here in our verse, says that there's two things that are true. Not everyone in the whole world is part of the church. And really, not even everyone within this room is part of the church. The only people who are part of the church are those who the Lord adds to the church. And of course, how does the Lord add people to the church? Through salvation. And so, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. And so it's Jesus Christ who died on our behalf. It is Jesus Christ who came back to life so that we would have a hope of a resurrection. That is how people are added to the church. It's not because they come in the back door and they sit in a seat every Sunday. It's because God adds them to the church. But there's a second thing that's true here. If we believe what happened in the early church and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved, then there's a second truth here which is only saved people are actually part of the church. Only people that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are truly part of the church. But then that says a second thing here. That means that you don't have to be a member of Wilton Bible Church to be part of the church. What do you need? You need to be saved. All right, so is it possible for someone to um, uh, attend Wilton Bible Church for years and years and years and be, a, be part of our gathering, our fellowship, part of our assembly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even for those people that have not committed 
to Wilton Bible Church, if you are saved and you are growing and you are part of this church, then that makes you part of this church, whether you're a member or whether you're not. Because really, it's not the elders and it's not the pastors that add to the church, right? It is the Lord who adds to the church. But do we see this idea of putting people into kind of a a membership type of style? Or is this just outside of, of the Word of God? The question could be this. Is church membership unbiblical? Is church membership unbiblical? Because obviously there's a lot of churches that practice church membership, but the Word of God doesn't explicitly teach that church membership is, is important. So the question we would have to ask this morning is, is church membership unbiblical? And again, I'd have to say no. I would have to say there's not, it's, it's not explicitly taught, but also that it's not unbiblical. And why? Because we do see examples in the Word of God that show that there was a church established. And let me show you an example here. This is from 1 Timothy chapter 5. We, we've been studying through 1 Timothy as we, as we thought about the, the um, qualifications of, of elder pastor and deacon. And so Paul here is, is really instructing a younger, uh, a younger pastor and saying, you know what, these things are important. The way that you lead your church is important. And as he kind of instructs this young pastor... Notice what he says here about the widows. And so again, this is about taking care of the widows, and the widows were important. They should be taken care of. And so notice here in verse 9, let a widow be enrolled, and if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and verse 10 goes into more qualifications of what a widow taken care of by the church should be. And so Paul gives some qualifications of widows that absolutely a church should take care of in verses uh, 9 and 10. But one of the things that I want to point out here is what Paul says, let a widow be enrolled. And so this is this idea here. This is put that widow, put those widows on a list here and make sure that they are taken care of. This is the idea. We don't take care of All the widows, Timothy. This is what Paul is saying. We don't take care of all the widows, Timothy. We take care of the widows that meet these qualifications and that are part of our group, part of our church. Put them on the list. Make sure to take care of those ladies. And so Paul, even though, and again, very honestly this morning, even though church membership is not explicitly taught, we do see this idea of actually a group of believers coming together and taking care of one another. And in this instance, Paul is instructing Timothy, take care of these widows that meet the qualifications, enroll them, put them on a list, make sure you don't miss these. Let me give you a second illustration here. This is again Paul, but now he's writing to a church. He's writing to 1 Corinthians. I mean, he's writing to the church of Corinth. And here in 1 Corinthians, in verse 1, it says this. It is actually recorded that it is, there is sexual, uh, sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. 
for a man has his father's wife. And you are ignorant. Ought you not rather to mourn? And then notice what Paul says. Let, who, let him who has done this be removed from among you. Again, what Paul is saying here is that there is a group, a group, a assembly, a, 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 a group of disciples that want to grow. And Paul says, you know what? We have officially welcomed him into our group, but what he is doing, not even the pagans would agree to put him outside of the group. He officially came into the group. Now I want you to officially put him outside of the group. And so even though this idea of membership, because there was no church shopping in the early church, this idea of being part of a church and being put out of the church is taught in the Word of God. Let me give you another illustration. Right, let me give you another illustration, and this is, again, in, in the, for the church of Corinth, but this is 2 Corinthians, and this is talking about the same gentleman that uh, uh, was affected by this, this sin and, and was put out of the church, and notice here what Paul says. For such a one, and then we're talking about this, this man that had this sin, this punishment by the majority is enough. And so my question is this. How can we have a majority unless there is an established list of what a church is made of? There's no way. If they didn't keep any role or any list of those who are part of the church, there would be no way for them to know whether or not there was a majority. And so I think it is clear that even though membership is not explicitly taught, in the Word of God, that we do see kind of some signs that the church did hold a group together, that there were boundaries within a church, and everyone knew who was part of the church. There was a majority within the church. And when there was sin within the church, they were to put that person outside of the church. That's in the early church. And again, uh, it's not explicitly taught, membership is not explicitly taught, because there is no church shopping in the New Testament. There is one church per community, and when you moved that community, that became your church. So you didn't find a pastor, you didn't, you didn't find an assembly that maybe you agreed with a little bit more. Uh, you went to the church, the Christian church, uh, that was there in your community. And so this is what I believe is true as far as membership, if we're going to have an understanding. Even though church membership isn't explicitly taught in the earlier church, we do see the concept. We do see the concept. And so, my question this morning is, why? Why join a local church? Why join a local church? Is it important for an individual to be recognized as a member of a local church. And of course, uh, in, our, in our world today, we have uh, some people that they never commit themselves to a church. They, they never commit themselves as a member. They never really call a place home. They're always moving from church to church to church. And there's other individuals in, in today, the, the current church, especially in the current church in America, that as soon as they kind of feel like, um, oh, you know what, this is... 
this is not what I, what I like to hear. This is not my, my flavor. There's some type of problem. I found out there's a problem with the leadership, and uh, they move on, and they go on to, uh, to another church. Then there's some individuals who are maybe members of churches. They have said, I am committed to the fact that this is my church, but then they never even attend church, except for every once in a while. And so even though they say they're committed to the church, they're not really committed to the church. And that's what we have today in the current church. We don't have this idea of day-by-day faithfulness. And so let's explore this idea of committing to the church. First of all, when we commit to the church, we are committing to others. And, and really, as we think about joining a church, there is two major things that happen when someone joins a church. One, we say we are committing to the body of believers and placing ourselves under the two offices of elder, pastor, and deacon. And so that very first thing is committing to others. So Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you, as you see the day drawing near. And so what is it that we are supposed to do as we gather together? Well, first of all, it says not neglecting, that it should be something that we regularly do. It should be something that we're faithful to. Church should be something that we are faithful to. And why? For encouragement, that we might encourage one another and it says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. And of course, is the day drawing near? It is. When Paul wrote that, that was, I'm not sorry, not Paul, but the, the writer of Hebrews, as the writer of Hebrews wrote that, that was quite a while ago. And you know what? Lots of days have passed by since that was written. And so every day that passes by, we're a day closer to the Lord's return. And so if that was true when the writer of Hebrews wrote that, it is also true today or even more true today. And so we should be here faithful, meet together. We should faithfully encourage one another as we see that day drawing near. And so we need to be committed to others. Church membership is a commitment to love and care for others within the local church. That benefits you, and that benefits others around you. When someone joins a church, they are saying this, I am your responsibility, and you are my responsibility. When they say, you know what, we, we have this, this, this group of people, this local church, this body of believers, and when I join the church, I become your responsibility, but then you become my responsibility as well. It is a caring that goes back and forth. Really, it is saying, I want to invest in you, and I want you to invest in me. And so we really need to get away from this idea. Another idea that is pretty prevalent in the church today, and prevalent in membership as well, is this. What can I get from the church? What can the church give me? Matter of fact, there's many American Christians that ask that same question. As they church shop, what can the church offer me? But you know, that really is not ministry. Ministry is really serving the Lord together. It's this idea. 
designed for His glory, for we, we are His workmanship. Not Pastor Schmidt, not the elders of the church, not the deacons, but we all together, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are post, we're supposed to serve together. We're supposed to edify the body of believers together. That is a ministry. And so I know sometimes within churches we get this idea of, of like a, um, a, a consumer idea. It's like, you know what, if the church gives me something like, uh, I, I like McDonald's better than, than Burger King, or I like In-N-Out better than Chick-fil-A, or, or something like that, and it's whatever pleases me more. But really, in the church, it shouldn't be that way. Really, the church should be, I want to give, I want to serve, I want to invest in the church and see the church invest in me. It's a go back and forth type of relationship. And so it's a commitment to others. But not only is it a commitment to others, it's also a commitment to leadership. When you join a church, you are saying, elders and pastors, I am now your responsibility you get to work on me and all of my prickly things. When I join a church, I become your responsibility. I want you to keep me accountable. I want you to encourage me to grow, for this is my church, and I want a place to serve. This is my home. I want a place to help. And of course, you don't have to be a member, right? You don't have to be a member to be committed to the church and the body of believers, you don't have to be a member to place yourself under the leadership of the church. You don't have to. Those, those, two, things, those, those two things of why someone would join a church, to, to be committed to one another and to be committed to the leadership, you don't have to join a church to do those things. You can still be committed to one another and not be a member, and you can still place yourself under the leadership without being a member. But here, I want to give you some things to consider as you mull over in your mind whether or not church membership would be good for you. So these are five good reasons one should consider for joining a local church. Number one, assurance. Assurance. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know what? Many times people do not feel comfortable sharing their personal testimony with, with church leadership. Um, there's been times where I've just sat and I've shared my testimony, and I don't have any problem sharing my testimony because I feel pretty confident that I'm, I'm saved, but some people, they don't have that confidence. But you know, when you share it before church leadership, it does this. It helps you to be more confident in what you believe. Why? Well, as you share those things, that leadership is going to be looking to see whether or not you are actually saved from what the Word of God says. And if they notice something that it seems a little bit off, I'm sure they would say something. Or they would ask you another question to follow up with maybe your answer. Because obviously sometimes not all of us know how to share our personal salvation testimony. Our, our, the story of how we got saved. Some of us either we don't remember when we got saved because we were young or we just don't know how to share it. And, and so it's a good opportunity for pastors and, and church leadership to ask you questions, to draw those things out of you. And when you leave, to know for sure that you are on the same page as the Word of God. 
as long as, of course, you're joining a church that believes the Word of God and the gospel. And so it can reassure you that when you walk away, you say, you know what, it's not just me who thinks I'm saved, but it's the leadership of the church that thinks I'm saved, and it gives you assurance. Of course, church membership never saves anyone. All right? Church membership doesn't make you a Christian any more than baptizing, any more than the Lord's Supper makes someone a Christian. The only way you can become a Christian is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But membership can give you assurance of your salvation because it gives you an opportunity to share with others why you think you are saved. And this can be really reassuring uh, for you in a, on a personal level, and especially if you're someone who struggles with whether or not you're saved. But there is a second idea of how it gives you assurance, and that is accountability. When you join a church, you are asking for accountability to live according to what the Bible says. So remember what Jesus Christ was asked here, and this is Matthew 22, verses 30. Uh, 34 through 40, and it says this, when the Pharisees heard that, uh, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the gra- this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When someone becomes a member of the church, not only do they really share their personal salvation story with the leadership, but when they put themselves underneath the leadership, this is what they're saying, help me to love God more. Help me to love others more. These are the two things. These are the two great things I want to do. Love God more and love others more. Uh, love others more. I want to show that I'm committed to you all and I'm committed to God. And so it can be a way to also encourage our hearts to give us assurance of our salvation. When we join a local church, you're saying, keep me accountable to love God and to love others. Now, second reason to fulfill the Great Commission. Of course, the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28 and found also in a couple of the other Gospels. But here's the one we normally go to. In verse 19, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, does someone have to be a member of a church to evangelize? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You don't have to be a member of a church to share the gospel. But you know what? As we think about this, the, the Great Commission, it is given to the church. And it is given to the church as a priority, and it's given secondarily to Christians who are part of a church. When we think of what a church is supposed to do, a church is supposed to be the ones that baptize in the name of the Father, the one that teaches, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so these are really set up for the church to do, to baptize and to teach. 
And of course, we as Christians should evangelize whether or not we are part of a, a member of a church or not. We have been called to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them, and the church is equipped to disciple, baptize, and teach, because within the church we have safety within leadership. And so if you begin to teach something contrary to the Word of God, there can be someone in church leadership to say, hey, you know what, I, I think that maybe you misspoke, or I think you might be a little confused because this is what the Bible says. And so there's safety in discipleship within a local church. Once again, you don't have to be a member of a local church to evangelize, but it is a time-tested place to build disciples. All right, so number one, why should I, why should I uh, join the church? Uh, number one, assurance. It gives us assurance of our salvation. Number two, it helps to fulfill the Great Commission. Number three, to expose false gospels. When you're a member of a local church that teaches the gospel, then you are part of a church that is growing together through the gospel. Again, salvation is not about a list of do's and don'ts. If you do this and you do this and you do this, then you're a Christian. That's not taught in the New Testament. What is taught in the New Testament is, is by faith in Jesus Christ. That is salvation. Salvation is truly a relationship with God. Being a member does not mean that you are perfect. It means that you are committed to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Therefore, when someone joins a church, this is what they say, I believe the gospel. I believe that Christ died for my sins and that He rose again. I believe that there is no other object of faith besides Him. Because truly, there are a lot of false gospels in the world today. There's a lot of false gospels back in the early church as well. There's a lot of false gospels today. But when someone joins a church, this is what they are saying. I identify with the gospel as taught by this local assembly. I agree. I want to be part of this church because they preach the gospel. That's one of the reasons why we should join a church if we are in agreement with that gospel. And so it exposes false gospels because you say, I identify with the gospel as taught by this church. Number four, to edify the church. We would all agree that that's important within a, within a local church to edify the church. And reason number four is to edify the church. Why would that matter to be a member to edify the church? Being a member opens up new opportunities to serve in the local church. Let me give you an illustration of, of a way that church membership would open up opportunities to serve within a local church. Leadership, whether you're a man or a woman, it gives you an opportunity to serve in a leadership capacity, membership does. The second thing that membership allows you to do is to choose your leaders. Who will be the next deacon? Who will be the next elder of Wilton Bible Church? And it gives you an opportunity as a member to edify both by serving and by choosing to make sure that other people are edified by the leadership within the church. And this is also true. The deacon that we have, the deacon and his wife, and, and the elders that we have, you know, they're not going to be here forever. 
One day, they're going to retire. One day, maybe they're going to move away. They're going to flee California, maybe. I don't know. And so one day, our leadership, it's going to change. Do you know what a healthy church does? Is they begin to mentor and disciple the next group of leaders. But if you're not part of the church, we can't start that mentoring and discipleship because you can't be a leader in the church until you're a member of the church. And so if right now, for some reason, you attend the church, but you're outside of the membership, you're not available for that mentoring and that discipleship to become a leader of Wilson Bible Church. And so you're outside of that group, and we'd love to invest our time into you. And so membership opens up new opportunities to edify the church. Number five, and this is the last one today, to glorify God, to glorify God. God desires that we bring Him glory, and when the church is discipling each other, God receives that glory. Truly change lives, bring God glory. This is what it says in in Matthew chapter 5. This is uh, Christ's uh, teaching, and he says this, You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a stand and gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, can we as individuals let our light shine? Well, of course. We should all let our light shine. But you know, this is something that always amazes me each time we gather together for the um, uh, oh, what is it? candlelight ceremony on, uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. So normally what we do is we will close up all the doors and we will turn off all the lights. Well, we'll pass out uh, candles to everyone. We'll turn off all the lights. And uh, what we'll do is we'll just talk about the fact that the light came into the world and Jesus Christ is that light. And so we'll represent that light by that one candle. Now, when you have that one candle lit, you're like that, that first disciple of Jesus Christ. And within this room, it provides light, but really not enough light for you to see across the room. Just enough light to shine around you. But normally what ends up happening during that uh, candlelight ceremony is we begin to pass that light. And what that represents is, is really disciples making disciples. And so we will light another candle and another person will light another candle and another person will light another candle until the whole circle is full of lit candles. And let me tell you, once all those candles are lit, you can see all the sides of the room. You can see all the corners of the room. Why? Because one person lights up a little area, but a group of individuals shines bright. And so as we think about this idea of gathering together as a church, as we, as we think about this idea of really identifying with a local church, whether it be Wilton Bible Church or another church, as we think about that, we want to hold high our lights with others that our lights would shine before this dark world. So you can do it by yourself. I encourage you to do it by yourself. But when we all come together, we really begin to shine. 
And so this idea of bringing God glory, as our life changes, we bring God glory. As our life touches other lives, God is glorified. And so as we kind of close today, we've talked about a couple of things. Number one, we asked the question, is church membership a biblical idea? And we said not exactly, because it's not clearly taught in the Word of God because there was no church shopping in the early church. Whatever community you were a part of, that was the church that you were a part of. There was no need to join the church because that was already your church. And so we learned that church membership isn't explicitly taught in the Word of God, but the concept is there. There was definitely boundaries for what the church was, and what it was not. You were either in or you were out. All right, we also asked the question, is church membership an unbiblical idea? And we said, well, not exactly as well. Not exactly as well. It's not that it's not, it's, it's not that it's discouraged, it's just not taught. And then we asked the question, why join a church? We gave five reasons. Maybe you agree with the five reasons, maybe you don't agree with the five reasons, and, and that's fine. But I do need to say this as we close today. Church membership is really between you and the Lord. And so as we've talked about church membership today, my goal is simply to give you an understanding of what church membership is and why it is good for people to join a church. Now, if you decide in your heart joining a church is not for you, that's fine. Continue to be a, a part of Wilton Bible Church. Continue to commit yourselves to be faithful, to commit yourselves to the people here and to the leadership, and that is great. I want to encourage you to do that. All I've done this morning is to give you something to consider. What the Word of God teaches, the fact that there is this idea of being within a church and being outside of a church, and also an idea of reasons why individuals may consider joining a church. But again, it's between you and the Lord. It's not between you and me. It's not between you and that leadership here. It's between you and the Lord. And whether you are a member here or you're not a member here, I just want to let you know me and the leadership love you. We do want you to identify with us and become members, but if you choose not to, that's fine. We still love you. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for this idea of gathering together, gathering together for a mutual encouragement. Thank you for the local church, the fact that when we go through trials, we are not alone, that we have the local church. When we go through, through trials or, or pain or, or struggles or, or temptations or sin, we're not alone because we have a local church. You have given us a group of believers identify with. Lord, again, I do thank you for each member that is here that, that at one time in their life they said, I want to identify with this local church. I want this church to be my home. And Lord, maybe there are others here that you're working in their heart and, and, and now they're wondering whether or not they should continue down the same road that they're on or whether or not they should uh, pivot and, and maybe consider becoming a member of Wilton Bible Church. 
I pray that you would give clear direction. Don't allow it to be the words that I've said this morning that would move someone or force someone into church membership. But may it truly be your spirit leading in their life. May they sense that call, that direction, that leading upon their life. So again, we thank you for Wilton Bible Church. The fact that you established this church over 75 years ago. And that it's been a shining light in our community ever since. Thank you, Lord, that we still gather together to worship you. We still gather together to learn from your word. We still gather together for fellowship and for encouragement. Thank you for Wilton Bible Church and what it means to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.